0: Hello and welcome to Own the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians.
1: <laughs> sorry, it took me so long, I could not hold my lap in. I'm sorry, guys. <laughs> we just decided to switch it up a little bit.
0: Just wanted to, you know, see if you guys were paying attention,
1: you know? Yeah, uh, thank you, Dan, for that amazing impersonation. You're welcome. Uh, this is episode 32 of On the Road with Auto Trader, where we make car stuff simple for Canadians. My name is Jody Lai, and I'm the editor in chief of Auto Trader.
0: And my name is Dan Alika, and I am Auto Trader's road test editor. And before we get started, I do want to tell you guys kind of a funny little story. Uh, last week, I was heading to Utah for uh, the 2024 Jeep Wrangler drive program. Now, I haven't even told Jody this story. And uh, for those of you who like fall into our Age range, you'll you'll probably kind of get a kick out of this. So I was, it was a Sunday morning. My flight was at I don't know twenty to nine. Uh, pretty quiet. I was sitting in the in the lounge, just kind of minding my own business, listening to music, getting ready for the flight to leave. And I got up to to grab a coffee, and I looked over, and there was this guy, and he had his head down, and he was watching wrestling on his phone with like the like no headphones plugged in, so I could hear it. And he was like commenting to someone he traveled with. And I was like, man, that voice is so familiar, but his head was down and I was like, I'm pretty sure I know who that is, but I, but I wasn't a hundred percent sure. Uh, so I like grabbed my coffee and then I turned around and walked back and he just so happened to be like looking up and it was fat Joe.
1: No way. Like, lean back? Yeah. Oh, my God.
0: So I just, like, walked over, and and I said hi to him. And he was, like, such a pleasant dude. He was, like, so – first of all, at that time in the morning, like, I'm, you know, especially before a flight, like, I'm just surviving, right? Yeah. This guy was thriving, like, full Louis Vuitton, like – everything oh my God. he looked like so everything he was wearing was like freshly pressed like he was like wow yeah
1: what an icon yeah
0: and so i just said to him you know like i mean that's he's he's had a hell of a career longevity like that, and he's that's still hard to going. do exactly like, we
1: we listened to fat joe when i was like a teenager and yeah. he's still producing like fire music yeah. so
0: i didn't like you know i'm not one of those like oh let's get a photo together i just wanted to like you know give him give him a little love and then so I went back to my seat and then when I was walking by like he just so happened to glance up and he was like oh like fly safe man like and I was like what a pleasant dude
1: wow what
0: a nice and, and it's you know airports are usually pretty chaotic you got families hurting their children and you know just like nobody wants to be there so when you have those pleasant moments it kind of makes the
1: that is it makes so nice a little easier. Yeah. when you meet a celebrity and they're just like a darling. Yeah, yeah. that's
0: how I felt when I met and you for so- the first time.
1: <laughs> Stop. <laughs> I'm usually not that friendly in the morning in an airport, like you said. <laughs> well, that's yeah,
0: it was just like such a great. So anyways, I just wanted to share with you guys that kind of fun, fun experience.
1: Very cool. I gotta get myself a full Louis Vuitton freshly pressed suit.
0: It was like, he was, he had like the Louis Vuitton roller bag, the Louis Vuitton duffel bag, Louis Vuitton crossbody bag, like the freshest Nikes like this guy was it looked like he was ready for a night on the town not a flight to wherever he was going in the US. And I
1: didn't know he was a wrestling fan.
0: Yeah it was funny it was just like that he was listening to this thing like watching this video it was it was a cool moment. Very
1: cool thanks for sharing that what a fun story.
0: Every time you do that I'm like it's very teacher-esque.
1: What? Wow
0: Dan thanks
1: thanks for sharing. Thanks for sharing. sharing. You get a gold star. (laughs) (laughs) Um, So today we're going to be talking about uh, the future of performance cars, you know, Um, as something we talk about this a lot, you know, as, as car enthusiasts, as a collective, this is like a topic of conversation that comes up so much. Um, because it's changing so much, you know, with electrification becoming more normal um, and with, you know, internal combustion gas cars being basically phased out. Yeah. Um, this is like a major shift in in what we hold near and dear to our hearts, which is performance cars.
0: Yeah. And I think, you know, I said it. We, we have, I don't know if that video will be live uh, when this episode uh, airs or if it'll be you know but ar- around the same time let's say we just recently did a comparison that wasn't an actual cross-shop comparison but between the Kia EV6 GT so the performance version of Kia's newest electric vehicle and the Toyota Supra with the manual transmission and the reason we did it was you know the the pricing is similar uh and it's kind of two sides of the same coin right performance for that mid $70,000 price point you can get this all electric, you know, kind of flashy, like in vogue approach to performance, mm-hmm. or you can get this kind of old school version, even though it's like a thoroughly modern car, everything about it is like new. Um, and it was interesting to do that comparison just to kind of put it into focus, even for us.
1: Yeah, it was it was really eye-opening for us because like we obviously really love electric cars, um, but we know they're not for everybody. And one case where we especially think they're not for everybody is if you're like a driving enthusiast. And so I started thinking about this a lot because recently every single sports car I've driven this year, my story has been like, oh, this is the final internal combustion version of the sports car we're going to be seeing. You know, the next one that comes out, it will probably be like a plug-in hybrid or even a full electric. And so I have just been thinking about this a lot and like what it means for performance and like how we experience, you know, the joy of driving. Driving right, um, I drove you know the Audi R8 GT earlier this summer, which was like just so sick. Like I loved this car so much, um, but it was the final one before with the. Sorry, it was the final one with the naturally aspirated V10 engine. Yeah, um, and the Audi R8 was just such an iconic vehicle, um, and it had so much staying power. And you know the next one they come out with will probably be a plug-in hybrid or full electric, right? Yeah. And part of the reason why I enjoyed that R8 so much is because of all of the all of the, like the visceral sensations like listening to that V10 fire up behind your head, like just, you know, pinning the throttle and hearing all of that come to life. It was just such a sensory experience. And you know, I've driven electric performance cars before, like the Porsche Taycan, for example, and they're close, but it's still not, not everything that I enjoy about a sports car is there.
0: Yeah, because it's it's that holistic experience, right? In that comparison, I described it as like going to watch a movie in a 40X theater. <laughs> you know, it's got the moving seats and all that stuff, and it's really cool, and it sets it sets the tone, right? You're watching this action movie, but then imagine, you know, the audio was out of sync. There was like, you'd see an explosion, but you wouldn't hear it. Yeah. Or you'd see an explosion and a different noise would happen. That's what is going on with EVs because they, you know, there's no mechanical noises and that ties everything in, right? It's the, it's what everybody, you know, talks about on a, let's say a racetrack, right? What you're doing, or motorcyclists are, are great people to talk to mm-hmm. about this, right? Is that what, what they're doing when they're riding is obviously like watching what's going on um feeling it but also listening Mm -hmm. and when you when you hear and it's like in a in a car if you're on the track and you're driving manual you're not looking down at the tachometer you're shifting based on the sound you know when the car is getting close to red line you're going to upshift that's the kind of stuff that makes the performance driving experience what it is and what it's been for the last, you know, hundred years.
1: I just it it engages you a lot more. And even talking about like upshifting, uh, the manual transmission is also one of those things that is like basically dead. There's going to be there's so few vehicles you can buy today with a manual transmission. And that's fine. You know, it's not for everyone, but from a performance standpoint, Uh, It's just so much more enjoyable, you know, like when you nail that perfect shift, you feel like such a hero. Um, And it just, it's just another level of engagement that you don't get with uh, an electric vehicle. And Toyota,
0: Toyota has like patented this manual transmission for EVs. But, you know, to your point, there are so few on sale, manual vehicles on sale today, more are going away every single year. Like, I'm pretty sure... So the, the Toyota Corolla, you used to be able to get manual, including the hatchback. Now the only one that you can get manual is the GR Corolla, which is, which the is great. One. But it's you know, it's a hyper niche vehicle. There's probably only a couple hundred coming to Canada this year. Um, you know, even like Subaru, now mm-hmm. the only manual vehicle that you can get. There's two, there's the BRZ and the WRX. Like these are going away. And Subaru was like one of the yep. the the kind of longest to hold on the Impreza you could still get up until Cross cross Trek up until this year. Uh the outback you you could get until twenty eighteen. So I mean that to me shows you that it's just like there's no appetite. These brands would sell the cars if they could. So I look at the same thing. Okay, it's great that Toyota has patented. Now let's also keep in mind like that it's fake it's just like a cvt having what's the
1: point of that though
0: to to try to give you that engagement you know but my thing is if people aren't buying them with gas engines why are they suddenly going to buy them and the only people once again the same people who are like oh you know the thing i hate about evs is that they aren't manual and then toyota builds or is saying oh we've got this patent to build a manual and then those same people who are like you know, blasting EVs for not being offered with manual, aren't going to buy a manual EV anyways. No,
1: I just don't see how that would be enjoyable to me because it's only a part of the experience. Like, what about the noise? What about, like, what if you mess up? Like, if you you don't get the shift right, the computer will just fix it for you. Like, there's just something missing there.
0: That's so, like, Audi, I can't remember the guy's name, but Audi worked with this, like, sound engineer guy Mm -hmm. um, to produce the the EV noise that you can turn on or off in the RS e-tron GT. uh, And it's kind of a mix of those like futuristic spaceship noises with some like gas engine noises, like some revving and stuff. So it's weird to me. It's better than just the spaceship or, or remember in the EV six GT, I said to you, I was like, what do you prefer? You know, we, we put on the spaceship sounds and then we turned it off and you're like, both of them kind of suck. Like,
1: <laughs> kind of, yeah, because it gets old after a while, you know. The first time I was in the Porsche Taycan and you just floor it, it makes this crazy like, and like the faster you go, kind of the louder the sound gets. And it really does sound cool. But, but then but it drones
0: on the highway. It's
1: Yeah, it drones on the highway. And after a while, it kind of loses its, its novelty. Yeah. So it's it's there's still something missing. But... Besides um, electrification, sports cars have been being discontinued for a while now. You know, as soon as everyone kind of shifted their preferences to crossovers, uh, a lot of iconic sports cars have been discontinued, like the Audi TT. Well, that's...
0: No, you can still. That's going away after this year.
1: After this you year, but even like one. I don't know. Yeah, hey, I just want
0: to make sure if people are like, oh man, yeah, I got to yeah. get out and get one. You got to go get one late. now. Um,
1: but even like the Mercedes SLK, you can't get that anymore. Who cares? I know, I know, and these are such niche niche cars to begin with. That like I don't really think you know people are gonna miss them that much. But my point is that a lot of sports cars have been disappearing. Yeah,
0: but I mean, then you look at you know Toyota brought the Supra back, the Nissan Z yeah, still which here. which I'm so you happy can still about. Still buy. Camaros and Mustangs and you know the BRZ and the GR86 the GR Corolla like I'm not one of those you know the sky is falling I think it's just changing and if you look at like muscle cars too back in the 60s and 70s you know it's just like we're in a bit of like a figure it out stage yeah and yeah people are buying SUVs so then we have performance SUVs and like the Jeep Grand Cherokee Trackhawk is super cool you like that Porsche Cayenne GT Turbo, Loved whatever it. it was called that yeah. you that you drove. You know, it's not the same, but it's something.
1: It is something too, and I and I totally get why you know preferences have shifted because we all a lot of us only have one car garage, so we need something that can do it all: practical, yeah. fast, stylish. And a lot of the times, a sports car isn't going to do that for a lot of people. Yeah. Um, but you know, even like the the Dodge Challenger, you know, this is the last time you're gonna be able to get it with internal combustion engine. The next time it comes out it's going to be fully electric. which I is mean, cool. like and, and the concept looks cool.
0: It's about time. I don't know, guys, we've talked about this before. <laughs> I, I know this isn't like a strictly you know EV episode. I know a lot of it's such a hot button issue. Every time we post EV stuff, uh, you know, Facebook and YouTube, just like explodes with these comments from people saying you know like you'll never get my gas-powered vehicle you know out of my driveway and and the thing that we always remind you guys is like the government is not going to come around and and round up all the gas-burning cars like the target is 2035 new vehicle sales will be fully zero emissions so that doesn't mean that they're going to come knock on your door and be like Give me the keys to that. No, to you, that can still, you, you can still, still be able, able to drive buy it used, and buy used yeah. and, and all that. But it's like the reality is, you know, this is like this is something that has to happen. Yeah. Climate change is real. I'm not saying that, you know, like consumers should or like the general public should bear you know, the burden. It's like you get into everything with plastic bag bands, but it's like, we got to do something. Yeah. And if this is the something that has to be done, like the reality is the auto industry is one of the biggest contributors to greenhouse Absolutely. gas emissions and climate change. And
1: it has to change. And so yeah. we're on board with it. Yeah. We totally are. Um. But in this in this aspect there we're a little bit skeptical of what's to come yeah Uh, we'll accept it regardless yeah (laughs) like i'm
0: i'm definitely intrigued by you know the next gen of the porsche 7 718 series Mm -hmm. so like um that's the boxster and the and the cayenne or um cayman and so the next gen that's coming like as early as next year is going to be fully electric.
1: Yeah, and I feel like if anyone can make a sports car that is fully electric really, really hit hard, it's Porsche.
0: Yeah, it's. I guess the hard part for me, the thing I'm still skeptical about, uh, and we saw it in the EV6 GT and Toyota Supra. Yes, they're very different vehicles, but the EV6, outweighed the super by something like sixteen hundred pounds. It was some like was astonishing wild. number. Yeah. Because you know, batteries are are heavy.
1: And weight is the enemy of performance.
0: Yeah. So it's it's definitely like one of those things that you can't ignore. And the same goes with with four wheeling. When I did the Jeep Wrangler Rubicon four xe like the plug-in hybrid version, and I went out with the Central Ontario off-road Jeep Club guys, the capability was was unquestioned and same with this 2024 jeep put on a great media drive program down in utah we did some like gnarly gnarly four-wheeling but still you could feel the weight now the same thing goes they had the the wrangler um, rubicon 392 so the v8 powered one the same thing applies also very heavy it's just a yeah. big heavy engine up front over the front axle when you you know go to drop off a ledge as soon as you reach that kind of tipping point where gravity takes over you can't stop it from dropping off that ledge it doesn't matter how, how how hard you're you're stepping on the brake pedal you just can't change that Electrification is the same way.
1: Yeah, and, and we get a lot of comments about, like, so we did a story about, um, you know, a couple electric cars that are fun to drive, right? And and someone pointed out, like, oh, how come there's no Teslas on this list? Which always happens, you know? Guys. But here's the point. Like, there's so much more to that makes a good performance car than just straight line speed.
0: They're not designed <laughs> as you know sure okay the roadster the original and this yes. this make believe one that's supposedly <laughs> coming and people put like 2 million dollar deposits down on sure those are purpose built performance vehicles a tesla model S a model X a model 3 i don't care which one you're talking about these are not performance vehicles it's the same thing with like saying like oh like look at the you know performance of like a BMW 3 series like no but if you're talking about the M3 sure but there's so much that's gone into that. It's not just a bigger engine, right? There's, like, the suspension has been completely overhauled. There's more chassis bracing. The brakes are bigger. Like, there's so much that goes into it. You can't just go, well, this one's got 1,000 horsepower, so it's fun to drive. It's like, drive it on the track. Look at what happened when Tesla did that. Remember the, the Model S? that Tesla brought to the Nurburgring.
1: Oh, yeah. And was
0: like, oh, this, is, and and Elon Musk was like, oh, this thing, it we took it right off the factory floor and we brought it out there. And then spy photographers, I guess he didn't, you know, think about the fact that they're there all the time. time. They took all these photos with their, you know, telephoto lenses and it's like, there was chassis bracing, there was stuff removed, the, the tires, the brakes. It was not a factory spec vehicle. Whereas when you take a look at something like I remember when I did the Audi RS Q8 and we the the factory driver who set the Nürburgring I I don't know what's the record holder now but at the time it was the the performance SUV record holder and he said yeah it was it was factory spec and Audi was very forthright about Absolutely. what was the the same about it it wasn't just like oh yeah no you know trust us it is and you know with with Tesla, it's just proof that you can't, these aren't out-of-the-box performance vehicles.
1: Yeah, you you have to make some modifications, just right? because
0: it, Just because the trim is called performance, it's the same thing with, you know, calling it full self-driving, and we all know that's a lie, too. Yeah. So, like, don't just take it at face value.
1: Yeah, absolutely, and, and like, going back to our Supra versus EV6, the EV6 GT, when it came out, accelerates literally faster than a Lamborghini. I but mean, that does not mean it's a great performance car. Yeah, and
0: also that that idea to me is you got to think, right? I so when I wrote the review and when I wrote that comparison, not once did I mention this claim yeah. about it being you know as fast, as quick, or quicker than a than a Lamborghini because by the same measure, right? You could say I don't know that the what take a look at the the Dodge Challenger. Um Demon, yeah, SRT Demon that we did last year. Mm-hmm. That thing's that thing's quicker than a than yeah. a Lamborghini,
1: but pretty much only in a straight line. You exactly, throw that thing like, through a corner, and you're gonna yeah. Go so into it's like rail. I don't know.
0: I mean, good for Kia, I guess. But I at mean, the it's same cool time, for sure. Yeah. But
1: like again, there's more to performance than straight line speed. And
0: that thing was a little bit better. It had like adaptive dampers, but then on the flip side, and we didn't get into it in the comparison, but you know we can get into it here. Is like The Genesis GV60? 60, the The little SUV? Yeah, the electric one, Yeah. right? That is the same architecture, and it also has adaptive dampers. And a boost. And it's got, like, this this boost. I guess that's the difference, right, is that the EV6 the GT mode is just like you access all of that output all the time when it's engaged. Whereas in the GV60, when you hit that, you get that maximum performance for like 10 seconds at a time. But still like the adaptive dampers, for for example, yes, the engineers at Kia are gonna tweak the damping and make sure that it's you know kind of set up for that vehicle. But like the GV60 also is available with that same adaptive damper mm-hmm. system and that's billed as a luxury vehicle. So once again, it just goes to show you that calling it performance doesn't necessarily mean it's performance.
1: It's just marketing. Whereas you take yeah.
0: a look at the Toyota Supra, that is a sports car, you know, in concept and in execution. Absolutely. And even the four-cylinder version is still going to be fun to drive. And it's going to have those performance parameters that somebody looking for a sports car is going to find. It's not based on a mainstream or just a regular version of a car no it
1: was purpose-built exactly yeah
0: and when we don't have those right now uh, with with EVs. with
1: evs that's true and that's why i'm really excited um for when that actually becomes a reality so i just wanted to take a couple minutes to go over a, a, a couple um electric uh, sorry electrified Performance cars that recently came out um, some of them are real some of them are concepts, but it kind of provides a glimpse into like what we can expect from electrified performance. So the first one is uh, Lamborghini which came out with its first plug-in hybrid ever. It's called the Revuelto. So it's a plug-in hybrid, but electrification has almost nothing to do with this. Sorry, let me say that again. It has almost nothing to do with being efficient. Yeah. The electrification is only there to augment performance. Well, and just, hold on, like,
0: augment performance as well as lower the fleet emissions average.
1: Yeah, but like look at the specs on this, okay? It has only 10 kilometers of EV range, yeah. which is nothing, okay? Yeah. It costs about $700,000. Um, it has a V12 and two electric motors. And so the guy from Lamborghini was basically like, yeah, you know, it's for fuel efficiency. But, you know, if you want to roll out of your driveway without waking up your neighbors, now it's possible. But first of all, like, okay, who who <laughs> buys a Lamborghini and doesn't want to just, like, blast up and down the road full power all times, right?
0: Yeah, the whole thing is bizarre.
1: It's kind of bizarre, but... Don't remem-
0: don't, don't forget about the... Um, remember when Porsche had that 9- 918 yeah. Spyder and then Ferrari had a...
1: Yeah, I the, the uh, what was it called, the LaFerrari, yeah, and then also the McLaren P1. They were yeah. all electrified.
0: They were all, like, plug-in hybrids or whatever. And so it's like, this isn't the first time we've seen this, and we've also seen the same thing. It's like, those brands aren't serious about electrification. No. Like, that, you know, to me, it's just, I like, people that give them so much credit of, like, look, they're fine. It's like, they, they're not doing it to well, because of environmental concerns they're no. doing it because it lowers the fleet emissions average and you know just like in f1 there's a performance boost that comes with adding a little bit of electrification exactly
1: but they're gonna have to make that change because eventually every car they sell is going to be electric so lamborghini by the end of this decade will have its first full electric vehicle
0: but again right that's super cool I, it I is so
1: cool. I can't wait to see what it's like. But
0: let's also keep in mind, right? Again, if Volvo does the same thing, right? Volvo's like, oh look, we're going to be fully electric by 2035, and it's like
1: that's because you have to. Yeah, I know. It's right? not because like, you're some like go- altruistic. Yeah, company. governments
0: everywhere. So it's the same thing with this with this idea of like Ferrari and Lamborghini saying, oh, by the end of the decade, it's like, yeah, man, that's future proofing your your. Your business, yeah. quite frankly, I'm surprised it's taking this long, and it just proves that you know the auto industry, just like any other business, when it comes to change like this, and when it comes to you know corporate social responsibility, sometimes you got to drag them kicking and screaming. I think you know the the now under Stellantis, but you know the the FCA brands, Dodge, Jeep, Chrysler, all of those guys, Ram, they. Look, they're still building 700 plus horsepower vehicles, and there's still no like all electric. Sure, there's an electric Ram that's coming. the The next Challenger is going to be Mm -hmm. electric. You can buy a plug-in hybrid version of the Wrangler and of the Grand Cherokee. You can buy a plug-in hybrid version of the Dodge Hornet and the whatever the the Tonale. Yeah the the toenail the the (laughs) (laughs) the Alfa Romeo. you know, like that is a, a company that I think went, meh.
1: Yeah, it's because clearly that's not what their customers want. But if
0: you, and I also think like government regulation, right? Oh, it, in they have Europe, to do it. Yeah. In Europe, there's such a push because the EU holds these brands and these companies to account and says like, no, you have to do it. Here's your target. And if you miss it, there are big consequences. In North America, it's just not the same, right? Yeah. There's not been like any kind of, you know, even like a slap on the wrist, like sure, Quebec has zero emission mandates for automakers. So you need to sell a certain number of zero emission vehicles in Quebec. Otherwise you get, there are financial penalties involved. So, you know, that was a bit of a wake up call for Mm -hmm. brands that were still kind of late to the, late to the game, like Subaru and Mazda, but like for these other guys, they're making so much money. Look at the... Challenger is a great example, right? That thing has existed since, I don't know, 2007 With or something crazy. Updates. With minimal updates. Yeah. So it's like, now it's just printing money. Yeah. So even if there are big penalty, financial penalties, think about the money that, that Stellantis is making off of those sales. Sales are increased for that thing. It outsold the Mustang last year.
1: Wow, really?
0: Like, so... You know, there's no, like, what's the penalty? It's the same thing with, like, distracted driving. When I lived in Alberta, yeah. right? All these rich guys in their trucks still were talking on their phones because they're like, what's a $400 fine to me?
1: It's pennies to them.
0: And it's the same thing with these companies. They're like, eh, we yeah. can keep selling these vehicles. Like, if if change is going to happen, it needs to be, you know, kind of forced.
1: Yeah, for sure. Um, and so there's, other, there's one more concept car that I wanted to talk about. It's the Porsche Mission X concept. So it's a... Lamont's inspired fully electric race car, um, and this one stood out to me because they have a very good track record of actually building their concepts, or like a version of their concepts, yeah. right? And so they haven't promised anything; they haven't said we're going to make this, but they're already saying that we we want it to be the fastest road legal vehicle around the Nurburgring, and knowing Porsche, they're hundred percent capable of making yeah. that happen because they've done it many times in the past. But right? then
0: maybe this is you know a, a topic for for another episode. It's like already you know cars have gotten too powerful, yeah. too quick. You know it's it's the same thing. Like Becky's mom sent me this link that the FAA in the U.S. Um, approved testing of a of the first flying car, and it doesn't mean that you can go buy buy one today. It just means the company can has been approved has regulatory approval to to start testing this vehicle but it's like i kept thinking about it like look man we all see traffic every day people are idiots and they can't drive when there are posted speed limits and lane markings and all of that stuff people are crashing into each other all the time what's
1: going to happen when you're in the air i would not trust that for a second
0: so now the same thing applies with this you're giving you're you're putting and and these teslas are a great example i'm not trying to pick on on Tesla owners, but putting somebody with no experience driving them a something and horsepower. being like, here's a thousand horsepower, yeah. go have fun. It'll do zero to a hundred kilometers an hour in two and a half seconds. That is a recipe for, for disaster and for destruction. And I think as we push into this, oh, it's going to be the fastest around the Nuremberg ring. Like why? Why? We don't need that, we don't need that. And that's so, not what's sexy, anyway. Yeah,
1: but it, it, it made me start to think about like, okay, these all of these like crazy advancements are coming from luxury brands, but like what about mainstream performance cars? Like what what is the Miata or BRZ gonna look like in, in five, 10 years? You know, that, that to me was like, oh, I have no idea what that's gonna look like.
0: I don't know, maybe it's not gonna exist because maybe. battery packs are so big and heavy yeah. that that's also why I'm like with this whole, you know, Porsche 718 series, like that's such a small car where where's the battery going to go that's going to give you that balance of like range and performance the miata is the same way i you know am a miata lover a former owner not sure how that's going to happen
1: like how will they translate that experience i don't know
0: i don't think you can (laughs)
1: Anyway, if any of you had questions about what we think about uh, the future of performance cars and electrification, you can email us at expert at Trader.ca. Um, but before our Ask an Expert segment, here's a message from our overlords. Save time and money by using AutoTrader, Canada's most trusted place to buy and sell new and used cars. AutoTrader has the most cars, and one of the best features is price badging, so you can feel more confident that you're getting a good deal. Uh, so this Ask an Expert comes from David from BC. Hello, David. He asks, uh, what's the correct way to signal, enter, and exit a traffic circle, both single and double lanes? Great question, because we are seeing a lot more traffic circles um, on our roadways nowadays.
0: Yeah, it seems, you know like that idea of, uh, you know, like a cat in a litter box, like when the kitten's born and the, the mom just like drops the cat in the litter box and then the cat just goes, well, I guess this is where I do my business. <laughs> and they just figure it out, right? I wish humans were like that, because to me... Traffic circles make so much sense, roundabouts, whatever you want to call them. Uh, And if you go to, you know, Europe and the UK, they're everywhere. And people generally just seem to know how to use them. And here, I remember like in Kitchener, when they started rolling them out in Kitchener, it was just a mess.
1: Yeah, and and the rules are different depending on where you are, but from my experience, first of all, no, for some reason in in Canada, nobody signals yeah. when they're leaving a traffic circle. So this circle.
0: To, to well, and and entering as well. So so here to answer David's question uh, in a roundabout way.
1: <laughs> get it? I see what you did there.
0: Uh when you enter the traffic circle, let's say it's a it's a full kind of four four exit circle, so you're entering kind of at the south point and you want to go to the immediate east point, you're the, you're automatically going to enter the circle, obviously giving right away, assuming there's no other vehicles in the traffic circle, you are immediately going to activate your right turn signal to let other road users know you are taking that immediate exit. If you are taking the north or the west exit, what you are going to do is activate your left signal so that people know you're entering and continuing around the circle. And then as you approach the exit that you want to take, you activate the right signal to let people know that's your plan. Because let's say that you want, you're going from that south and you're taking the north. There's somebody waiting from that east road and they don't see a left signal. What are they supposed to do? If you're If you're getting off at that east, you should have your right signal on so they know, oh, I can now enter. Think about it just at a normal intersection. Or when you're pulling out of a parking lot and you have those courteous people that as they approach, they signal. You're waiting to turn left or right out of a parking lot entrance and somebody's approaching and they activate their signal to let you know, hey, I'm turning in here. So now's your chance to turn out. The same thing applies to roundabouts. We all got to
1: work together on this, right? And the other thing I see a lot when I go through traffic circles is that people stop. Like they treat oh, it like yeah. a stop sign, which is like not the right thing to do. Yeah. Because the whole point of a traffic circle is to keep, keep the flow moving.
0: It replaces stop signs and in, in traffic lights. So use them correctly. Yes, there are yield signs just like on a street, slow down, approach with caution. But the idea, if you're looking and there's no traffic, but there's a car behind you, a full stop is going to cause problems. That person might run into you. Like, that's just the reality of it. Yeah, David, that's a great question. Uh, and, you know, I'm, I'm glad you asked. And I think more people do need to be you know, aware of of how to approach these.
1: Absolutely. Um, And the next question comes from Gord, who is also from BC. What's up, Gord? Um, uh, This must have had to do with our road rage episode or our forgotten rules of the Uh. road episode. Um, So this one was long, so it's a bit condensed. Um, Perhaps it's just a regional variation, but in British Columbia, nobody has the right of way ever. If you read the Motor Vehicle Act, you'll find that many, many clauses that read that drivers must yield the right of way. Even emergency services never have quote right of way rather all drivers must yield the right of way to emergency service vehicles with flashing lights on it's a small distinction but legally it is huge you will do more to reduce conflict reduce collisions reduce injuries and reduce fatalities by promoting the concept of yield
0: yeah of, of course but i think people are misinterpreting what yield means for at some point who's going to be the one to make the move Right. That's why it's like if you approach If what's the rule of the road? If you approach, you know, an all way stop and at the same time as as another vehicle, you yield to the vehicle on your right. Well, on the off chance that four vehicles pull up to an all way stop at the same time, everyone's to each other's right. So what we're just going to sit there in like this, you know, proverbial (laughs) like showdown of politeness, like, no, you go. No, you go. It's like somebody has to make the move yes yield but that's also self preservation man like yeah, yield and so sense. that you don't get you know run down by an oncoming vehicle but yeah emergency vehicles they have to yield i guess they approach intersections they can't just blast through intersections yes they have to slow down when it- but they have to slow down regardless even if it's a green light and they and their yep. lights and sirens are going they still slow down To make sure that nobody's coming across that intersection because they're doing that. Again, it's self-preservation and preservation of the job at hand. They're trying to get to uh, uh, the scene of an emergency. If they get into a wreck, you know... They're not going to make it there.
1: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, and then Gord goes on to say that it's his personal pet peeve when people don't signal or when people signal and proceed to change lanes when it's not safe to do so. Oh, I man. agree, Gord.
0: That's, Gord. I'll tell you, I told Jody, uh, I may have told this on a, on another episode. I don't remember, but I was on this road. This guy was waiting. He was ahead of me. There was no dedicated left turn lane. Um, he had his left signal on and then turned right, like right in front of me, uh, he decided to go the other way and it's just like people are yeah it's really annoying i'm not a mind reader it's also
1: dangerous neither
0: are you gord yeah and so we need people to to use their signals yeah. i'm with you
1: uh thank you gordon david for your questions um if any of you have questions or comments you can email us at expert trader.ca uh, and that wraps up this episode thank you so much for joining us and drive safe and we'll catch you on the next one
0: bye guys